Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Hallmarkies podcast. We hope that all of our Hallmarkies are staying safe and healthy out there. Um, today, we are continuing our Deliver Me a podcast, and I am Jess, and today I have with me Cammie. Hi, guys. Going stir crazy yet? <laughs> I am, and I've only been quarantined for one day. <laughs> We're missing Casey today. She's still not feeling well. So the postables are praying for you, Casey, and we hope that you feel better soon. Definitely. I hope we can have you back for our next episode. And so today we're going to talk about the, the next episode in the series called The Masterpiece. And as its title would suggest, it is about a piece of artwork that comes through the DLO. And so <gasps> you don't say. I know, it's, it's quite the shocker. <laughs> um, we're going to do the, the um, letter storyline, and then we're going to talk about the character storyline separately, because there's a lot going on over there. So we're going to focus on the letter first. But it starts, we see um, a man addressing the outside of a package. And he's talking with this woman. And the, we can sense there's some kind of uncertainty or, or risk about sending this, this package. Um, did you have any initial thoughts when you first saw that opening scene, Cami? Uh, I mean, you know what you're watching, so you know that that's the package that's going to get lost. And I, yeah, I didn't, they're always, they're really, really good at being evasive with what exactly are the circumstances you know i could obviously tell that the man and the woman were a couple mm -hmm. i i couldn't tell if they were married or not but if you look carefully there's a, a little bling flashing from her <laughs> finger when she uh when she takes the package so yeah you know i didn't have any initial thoughts of just a guy addressing a package and uh that's obviously the one that's going to get lost <laughs> and get lost it does <laughs> matter so, of fact yeah as a matter of fact we are in the dlo with the postables and something gets stuck in the mail chute and so norman being oh my gosh <laughs> that is the, there. <laughs> that is the most hysterical part in the whole episode it just well, only one way to find out, and he climbs up there like some kind of orangutan, and just, just up he goes. <laughs> and he does it like it's nothing. Yes. You know, I mean, how many, how many times has Norman done that? I know it's like, it's funny because you don't see Norman as being particularly athletic. 
No. And then he just goes scaling up that chute to, to go get the package. Well, but I mean, he is out of breath. And that whole, <laughs> you know, it's just, that whole sequence is just so funky. You know, yeah. it just, he, he's going up the ladder, he's going up the chute, and Rita's doing the whole, oh, thing. Like, he, he can take something apart completely and put it back together with almost no extra parts. Uh, it, aren't there supposed to be no extra parts? Then he comes back down and he's breathing heavy and he adds that little hi Rita in. I'm just like, okay, you, you guys are weirdos. <laughs> weirdos in the cutest way possible, yes. but you're weirdos. <laughs> just a typical day at the dead letter office. I'm telling you. <laughs> so yes, Norman expertly retrieves the package and there is a small slit and part of the package and they are able to retrieve uh, a small envelope out of the slit without actually opening the full package and the letter is a letter to somebody's dad and it kind of goes on to say that they haven't seen each other in a while and, and that, can, can i just point out right here yes. that chorus that chorus saying open it open it see open it <laughs> easy yes she's she's very anxious <laughs> it was i loved seeing della reese in in that role but it also made me very very sad because i watched a few episodes of touched by an angel as a mm. kid and she was always so feisty and you know she was always fiery and and you could tell that there was still a little bit of that in her but she was very, very slow and very, very deliberate. I mean, it was obvious that it was causing her a great deal of effort to do this role. Mm -hmm. And it just, it just made me kind of sad, you know, yeah. oh, <laughs> she, she just, she just looks so I, I don't know even what the term would be. I don't want to say washed up because that has a horrible connotation. Yeah. But you know, it, she, she just looked very, very elderly. Very mm -hmm. elderly. Yeah. But um, So yes, we have our letter. And uh, the writer is a son. He's saying, oh, I was never the son. You wanted me to be. Um, and then we have a flashback as they continue to read the letter. And we see that the son, his name is Danny, and he, as a child, he always loved art. He loved to, to draw and things like that. And um, his father wanted him to work for their auto mechanic business, it seemed like, and kind of take on the family business. And yeah. um, that just clearly was not in line with uh, Danny, the son's, you know, ambitions and what he wanted to do with his life. So right. that's kind of the story we got going on here. Um, and so Norman... Jack of all trades begins on revealing what some of the outside ink says. I don't know exactly what he was doing to it, but he was trying to make the a little more clear because it was all smudged and eventually is able to get an address. And Shane and all he was applying, he was ap applying the revealing solution. I can't remember what they call it now. It's got this huge long name, but Norman Dorman's re revealing revealing solution or something I don't think like. they, they don't give it the name in the episode but i know what you're talking no they about. don't give it no they don't yeah. give it the name otherwise i would remember it but uh 
but I'm pretty sure that's what he's doing is he's applying his kind of his, his concoction to it and because because he says that he uh has vamped it up and made it better in in later episodes but I'm yeah. pretty sure that's the first appearance of the solution and I'm gonna kick myself when I realize what the name <laughs> is because but yeah, it's it's Norman Dorman's something solution. I can't think of it either. It's I know there's I know there is revealing in there somewhere. Yeah, I just I I can't remember exactly what it is. And mm. now postables, all the post, tune in. Now the postables are gonna hate us. <laughs> <laughs> tune in and let us know because our our minds are failing us. Right We're not now. true postables. We forgot the name of the solution. I'm sorry. Yes, that is the uh, question you have to answer to become a postable is the name of the solution. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you get into the club. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's very important. <laughs> um, but yes, yeah, so Norman is using his fine solution that we cannot remember, but it does give them the address. <laughs> and Shane and Oliver go to the house and nobody's at the door, but they see a neighbor across the street. So they go across the street to talk to that person and he says that Henry, um, is, who is the father, doesn't live there anymore. And now he is renting a room at a tap room and working as a janitor for some place, um, which is an interesting turn of events. Um, and that he also had cancer, but I would assume that he maybe was in remission at that point because um, they didn't say anything Because he's about drinking that. an awful lot. <laughs> yeah, that, that too. <laughs> So, so he's no longer at that. I would address. hope he's in remission if he's drinking that much. <laughs> <laughs> very, very true. Um, so anyway, they track him to uh, to the bar, and the dad. Oh, is and Jess, Jess, hmm. he he's a he's a crossover. Oh, Paul McGillian. Yep, yep. Oh, Tardy, let us know what what is what is he in the <laughs> when calls the heart world. <laughs> Paul McGillian, who plays Henry in this episode of Sign Sealed Delivered, he is in season two as the fraudulent pastor. He's a con man who uh, who tries to just uh, cheat people out of their money by selling Bibles. And because he has all these Bibles with him, they mistake him for the new pastor. And so, oh, I think I so saw he's that one. a. I was yeah. about to say you've seen through season two. So I, I can't like did... picture him, but I remember the storyline. <laughs> well, he's got gray hair that's combed over, and you know... <laughs> it's been a very long time since I saw that. And I well, think it was multitasking. If you can picture him in Side Seal Delivered, you can picture him in When Calls the Heart. That's all I'm saying. No, but I, I, I can't remember what what like his care. Like I can't remember the scenes I, with his character. I, I know. I just, I just. But uh, I was with you, I'd throw something at you right now. <laughs> oh, well, good thing we're practicing social distancing then. Oh, of course. <laughs> but yeah, he's the fraudulent uh, Pastor Frank Hogan who gets caught in the end when the real Pastor Hogan shows up. So thank heavens that the marriage was legitimate because <laughs> he was about to marry two people. <laughs> So he was about to, he was about to marry uh, Dewitt and Mary, and they, <laughs> and it would have been, uh, it would have been a very sad and scandalous state of affairs if he had gone through with it. Yeah, especially for that time. <laughs> I know. Oh man, they weren't married. <laughs> <sighs> 
<laughs> anyway. Yes. Anyway. Where were we? Uh, yes. The dad does not want the package. They tell him about the package. And he's pretty, pretty adamant that he, he doesn't want it. Um, we see a flashback of him and his, of him and Danny having a falling out because Danny uh, finally admits to his dad that he's going to art school. And Cammie, how did you feel about this scene in particular, like the dad's reaction and like how they basically broke it off, like no contact after that uh, for yeah. some not wanting to continue the business? Yeah. <laughs> You know, th this is a very, very tricky situation because I'm a parent and I want what's best for my kids. Now, granted, none of them are old enough to make their own decisions about where to go to college <laughs> yet. <laughs> but I, I want what's best for them. And, you know, the dad, he's trying to do what he thinks is best he has this business that he has had for a long time, so it can be reliable. And I mean, starving artists, it's a cliche because it's true, you know, <laughs> and, <laughs> and it's, it's hard to make it in the art world, even when you do have a really good amount of talent. And his dad probably knew that. And you know, he didn't want him to suffer needlessly and he wanted him to provide, he wanted to be able to provide for him. And he wanted Danny to be able to provide for a family someday, you know? So I totally get that side of it. On the other hand, you can't force somebody to go into a line of work or a business that they don't want to do because especially when they have strong opinions about it because mm -hmm. you'll be miserable they'll be miserable and it might not turn out to be that profitable anyway um funny thing is when i was getting ready to graduate college my mother made a suggestion of what she thought I should do. And she said it pretty adamantly. And I had a couple of ideas, but I was scared. And so I did what my mom thought I should do. I came home and I, uh, were and I worked the the job that she thought I should do and it was fun and I met lots of people that I never would have met otherwise and so I'm very very grateful for it but I do have the what if factor and it's taken me it, it's taken me 10 plus years to realize it but I do I mm -hmm it comes around eventually and i do kind of have that what if factory what what if i had been brave enough to strike out on my own mm -hmm. what if i had been brave enough to move to a new state and to do what i really felt i wanted to do and you know now we'll never know and my life is wonderful my life is fine the way it is it's just a 
you know, it's in the back of my brain. Yeah. So, so I can see both sides. Yeah, I can as well, but I just have a hard time, like, believing that a parent would be willing to completely cut off from their son just because he now that I do not agree with (laughs) that no under no circumstances would I completely cut off my kids unless you know they went completely off the deep end and committed murder and all (laughs) you know (laughs) that kind of thing no but you know going to art school instead of taking over the family business Come on. Yeah, I think some it's of it may have been the father's pride. Like, he felt like Danny was like, well, this business isn't good enough for me. I think maybe he had a little bit of that going on. Oh, um, totally. Yeah. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting dynamic. Because I feel like, especially the older generation, would, I think would definitely kind of side with the dad on this. I think a lot of, especially, you know, parents or grandparents who grew up in the Great Depression, and it's all about what's that practical job you can have not uh-huh, something uh-huh. like you said being the serving artist or a struggling actor whatever you know it may be um so <laughs> you look straight at me when you said <laughs> struggling actor hey hey when i was 12 <laughs> i wanted to be an actress too okay and my mom told me she's like no you are not going to hollywood You'll, they'll corrupt you <laughs> like oh my gosh so i can relate a little bit my mom was like terrified that I was going to go to Hollywood <laughs> when I was 12. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> Our practical parents, you know, they, they do want the best for us, but um, yes, <laughs> hopefully never to this extent where your family would cut you off for this well, kind of the other The other thing is Danny wanted to go to college. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, most parents would kill for their kid to want to get a college education. Yeah. With all of the, oh, I have to go off and find myself, you know, and, <laughs> and he, he wanted to go to school for it. He wanted to make it a skill. He didn't just say, I'm going off to New York and I'm going to be an artist. You know, mm-hmm. and he wanted to learn how to do it effectively and well so that he could make a career out of it. You know, Mm -hmm. I think that there, there needs to be something there. There's something to be said for that. Yeah. He was trying to do it the right way. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So it's definitely an interesting situation. And we do see in that, um, the scene of flashback of when Sarah, who uh, happens to be Danny's fiance, um, does call the dad. She calls Henry and, and it says like, hey, we're getting married. Like, this would be a good time for you guys to reconcile. And Danny doesn't want to talk to his dad until he's, he's made it as an artist. Um, Which and- is a very, very, very <laughs> weird sense of ego. Yeah, I mean, we yeah. were talking about how Danny bruised, Danny bruised dad's pride without meaning to. Danny's, Danny is, he's got a bit of an ego thing. I can, I can totally understand wanting to make it but refusing to talk to your father until you have made it mm-hmm. hey, i mean define made it <laughs> you right. know i mean it's a bit subjective yeah i mean is making it selling your first painting because i'm pretty sure that he had already done that you know he, yeah he didn't make a name for himself until later so i mean what is it selling your first painting 
having your own show. I mean, what's the definition of made it? Right. And, you know, I don't care how upset I get with my mom. I could never go five years without oh, talking yeah. to her. I, I just, I mean, that's just me personally. And my father has passed on now. And so what I wouldn't give to be able to talk to him again, mm-hmm. you know, and we'll talk about that yes. later when, <laughs> when <alert. laughs> honey, people are listening to a recap. That I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure they know what happens. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, so the fiance did call dad at one point, and um, that was the last time Henry the dad had heard from either one of them from that moment. And Oliver said something that really struck me. He said, you took the other's silence as more rejection. And that I just really hit. that. Because how and often do we do that? You know, we don't hear from someone. Maybe they're busy. We're like, are they really busy? Or they just don't want to answer my text message or something as simple as that. We do it all the time. We, we or maybe assume. they missed it. Like yes. something got lost in the mail. Oh right. yeah. <laughs> we assume, we doubt, we question, and we, we make this assumption that someone has rejected us and it creates unnecessary hurt time and time again. Well, and isn't it funny, not funny, haha, but funny, ironic that we take this classic Hallmark trope, but we put it in the context of a father-son instead of a romantic. Yes. <laughs> instead of a romantic setting, you know. Yeah. <laughs> There's all kinds of misunderstandings out there. <laughs> For sure. Especially in Hallmark oh, and hugging. Oh, especially in Hallmark. <laughs> I mean, if there had never been any misunderstandings, sign sealed delivered wouldn't have a story. Yes. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> um, oh, yes. But so, yeah, so dad still does not want the package. Um, so the postables keep the package and they decide, okay, let's try to find Danny instead. And so um, they decide, okay, it's time to open the actual package. And in it is a painting and it has a woman and a man they're not they're turned away from the viewer and they're just kind of like looking out somewhere there's a lake in the background they look like they're cuddling yes very cozy um and norman of course knows someone who knows someone whose sister is a curator at an art gallery (laughs) got a cousin of some kind (laughs) either i love how shane has to like drag him through it to to get to the person (laughs) come on come on (laughs) <laughs> Make the connection, Shane, Norman. Shane is very, very good at dragging. She, she's very good at dragging it out of people. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yes. So she, she gets it out of them, and they go to see this curator, and she shows them that inside or within the painting, there's a little hidden signature because most artists sign their paintings in some way, obviously. Um, but instead of uh, the name they're assuming will be there, which is, I believe, Danny's last name was Bar- Barrett? Yes. Like Barrett? Is that right? Yeah, um, yeah Danny Barrett. Um, it says D.H. Broodbrook. Um, and so that's not the name they were thinking, but they, this person, according to the curator, died three years prior in a loft fire. Um, so Shane goes ahead and um, does a little bit more digging on Danny Barrett 
and checks obituaries and it turns out that he also died three years prior and so they make the connection that DH rubric is in fact Danny Barrett just using a different name and you know it's really really interesting how the connection is made because Shane says I know what you're thinking and I'm thinking it too and I hope we're wrong and then she gets on the computer and looks him up and finds him immediately and she said I looked through all of this bank statements you know she telephone records she looks through everything but he was so young I never thought to look through obituaries and right. that just Oh, that, that tore at my heart right there. Because he know? was only like 26, 27. Uh-huh. 20, so yeah, yeah. That was definitely a tragic ending to Danny's side of the story. Um, and, but, and the curator said that, she, that he was so promising. You know, so yeah. you find out that Danny really did have talent mm -hmm. and he exploded on the art scene and he would have he would have been famous and that painting had... was worth a lot yeah the, yeah especially now that he had passed away because i think i don't think he had ever sold it right it was no just, yeah that was, was never original. like in a gallery or anything like that or or whatnot um but yeah so this leads shane to do some more digging with her computer as always and <laughs> she discovers that danny or D.H. Rubric, um, often did his paintings in a series of three that were connected to tell a story, um, like past, present, and future. And so she is able to- Or peanut butter and jelly. No. <laughs> no, Norman. <laughs> not, not peanut butter and jelly. That does not tell a story. <laughs> oh my goodness. It is it, Norman. Norman. Norman, Norman. We love him. I like pat him <laughs> on the head. <laughs> I know, I know. They're there. They're there, Norman. <laughs> yes. That's okay. a really good one. That's a really good one. <laughs> oh my goodness. And so Shane discovers that there was a series of paintings that um, Danny did, and she's able to find them online, the images of the paintings. And the first one is um, a man standing next to a car holding a young boy's hand and they're not looking at each other so this represents his past with his father and in different directions so not yeah not connecting um as we've learned from their their story and the second is a man and a woman who are looking at each other symbolizing his present with sarah and then the third is the one that the postables have it, with the man and the woman looking out and this is symbolizing his future. And what do they find with Norman's magnifying glass that is hiding in that painting in the background? A baby, a little baby. And so they learned that Danny had a child, which makes Henry a grandpa. And um, so Shane uh, continues to do some research and she actually finds, um, that Danny's uh, mother's main name was actually Rubric, so which kind of makes it understandable why he used that name, and that he and Sarah had a little baby girl. She's able to find that birth certificate, and so, of course, they have to break the news to Henry that Danny is dead, 
but they at least have the good news that he is a grandfather. Um, and and so I love she, how I love how she uh, how Shane connected the painting as a kind of birth announcement. I thought that yeah. was the sweetest line because <laughs> it wasn't just this is going to happen sometime in the future. This was my wife is pregnant and you're going to be a grandfather. Yeah. You know, just, <laughs> I thought I thought that was I thought that was so sweet that Shane connected it that way that it was that her uh and we don't we don't know if he had had if she had had the baby at that point but i don't think so because he died three years ago and she looked to be about two yeah so, so i don't it would have been either right when she was born or maybe shortly before yeah or or just that sarah was pregnant so, but yeah, just the whole, the whole idea of using the painting as a birth announcement was just <laughs> cute. It yeah, there's some cool. goals there. Forget all of our 21st century crazy ways to announce a pregnancy. I know. It I mean, in a painting. That, <laughs> man, I thought, you know, I thought doing an eviction notice on the crib was clever. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> Come on, Cam, you got to put it in a painting. <laughs> you know what? I'm not going to be having any more kids, so darn it, I lost that opportunity. And besides, <sighs> I'm not the painter in this podcast. You are. That's so true. You need to find a man, get married, and get pregnant and paint a picture about it. There you go. With <laughs> social distancing, I'll be there right away. <laughs> <laughs> That's your assignment. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yes, find a man during quarantine. That'll that'll be interesting. <laughs> Marry him and, you know, I'll give you a week. <laughs> It'll be a good test of a relationship. Can we survive being quarantined together for a week? Oh. <laughs> There's an idea for a new reality show. Quarantine. Oh, gosh. No, 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 no. Bad, bad idea. Bad idea. <laughs> the ultimate test. Oh, ultimate God. test. <laughs> but anyway, so Shane is able, after they break the news to Henry, um, to set up uh, a little meeting via video chat. And so Henry is able to talk to Sarah and see his granddaughter. And, you know, they have a little conversation. All you can really feel is that Sarah is able to express that Danny loved his father. And there was, you know, he had sent the painting. He wanted to reconcile with his father, even though they never, even though he died before it happened, there at least was that intent to reconcile, to just kind of let go of the past and start over. So it's kind of a hopeful ending to their story, even though Danny is dead, unfortunately. And the, and the little girl who plays uh, Danielle, that was Kristen Booth's baby. Yes, Finley. that was Finley. Yeah. So there's a little, yeah. little trivia. That was going to be one of my trivia questions. You already got it. <laughs> ooh, ooh, Look, you're already out of the game. <laughs> now you're reading my mind. Oh my gosh. Reading my mind. <laughs> yeah, that is the end of our letter story. So we have that, the very touching ending. And so for our postables, they, they go through some stuff themselves in this episode. Um, so it starts in the beginning. Oliver is staring at that dreaded Paris box that he could not let go of. And oh Shane is talking, I think, to Rita about, like, you'd think after a year and she hasn't made contact, you would 
you would get the point that she's not gonna send you a letter and you wouldn't check that box every day. Um, so it's kind of sad. Oliver still is, even after, it's been a year? Just a year at I that point? I think so. Yeah, that he's, he still checks I, every day. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if it's been, yeah. It's been at I, least a year. I don't know if it's, it's been, been more at than least that. a year, yeah. Um, so he's still checking that, that box every day. Um, and of course, there's, there's still nothing in the box. Holly has not made any contact. Um, but so they kind of talk about that. And then we get into Shane and Oliver have to do a uh, dance routine for like a showcase or something like that for <laughs> the thing. And Shane picks this really interesting song at Oliver. Obviously, it was not. He hates it. <laughs> it has to be real music. <laughs> yes, a, like a record. <laughs> and so he put something on that he likes, and Shane's not like really feeling that either. So to say the least, they're, <laughs> they're agreeing to to disagree on that one. And they go in for their practice, and we meet our friend Ramon <laughs> for the first Obilar. time. <laughs> yes, he calls him like Abilar and Abelir and. He cannot say Oliver for the life of him. <laughs> and I just, I love Ramon. Zach Santiago, he, he's really great as Ramon. I think he's a really he's fun hysterical. character. He's hysterical. He is so funny. Just, yeah, he's fantastic. And we continue to see them. If you watch, you know, he continues the entire series. So this is not the last you will see of Ramon. Hey guys, it's Cammy and Anne. With Mother's Day coming very, very quickly and just fast approaching around the corner. What do you get your mother for Mother's Day? I know that it is always a struggle with me. My mom says, hey, I want this for Mother's Day. That kind of ruins the point. So, and we live with my mother currently. And so it's always really hard to try to get her just the perfect gift. What about you, Anne? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, it's your mom, it's a big and important day. And so it can be a struggle to kind of find the right thing um, for, for, for a mom. Definitely. Right. So are you looking for the perfect gift for your mom or even another loved one? Well, we've got what you need. Skylight. Nowadays, staying in touch with those we love is so much easier than it used to be. <laughs> yes. And it's also more important than ever. And the easiest way to do it is with Skylight, a photo frame you can email photos to. How easy is that? Yeah, that's don't awesome. Don't have to have the right software or any of that. Just yeah. email the photos anytime from anywhere. It's a great way to feel close. So, and I live with my mom, like I said, but where are your, where's your mom? I live in Nashville, but my parents are in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, so they're not with me. So it would be really easy for me to just email some photos, you know, to the skylight frame. I sent it to my mom and then she could see, you know, what we have going on and be surprised when it comes on the screen there. Yeah. And the other thing is multiple people, because it's an email address, multiple people can send to this. You don't have to invite people to a group, which is always so annoying. Uh -huh. And it sets up effortlessly, listen to this, in under 60 seconds. Wow. And then sending it is effortless. Like we said, everyone in your family can just email photos to mom Skylight and they'll pop up in her home in seconds. You can preload it with your favorite photos too. 
And then you can also have the emails. So now as a special holiday offer, so if you look are looking for just that right gift for mom, you can get $10 off your purchase of a skylight frame when you go to skylightframe.com slash hallmark and enter code hallmark. That's right. $10 off your purchase of a skylight frame, which is not a small amount of money. Just go to skylightframe.com slash hallmark and enter code hallmark. S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-F-R-A-M-E dot com slash hallmark. So give, give, give a mom a gift she'll enjoy and enjoy yourself. Oh, yeah, so we have our friend Ramon and he is very suave with Shane and very much a ladies man. And uh, he's told- beautiful as Shane. It's so funny. I never can get over. I lived in Nicaragua for three years and it is always so funny to me. I still can't get over the, how they put the E's before the S's. It, it's just the as Shane. Yeah. spent you know it's always the e before the s that is something i still cannot get over it's so funny <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah, so he is charming the beautiful shane and and shane is weirded out you know <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't know what to think of this new character and to, to top it off he tells them that their old instructor madame francesca lost the studio in a poker game <laughs> like what uh. Yeah, I don't think I would bet that much in a poker game. No. I don't even think I would bet. But then again, you're not addicted to gambling. So, you know. Madam Francesca must have had a problem. But, um, yeah, so they they learned that the studio now belongs to Ramon. And he is going to be coaching Shane and Oliver, probably much to Oliver's chagrin. Um, Uh, Yeah. And so they they practice throughout the the episode, and at one point during their practice, Oliver is able to relate his experience with his wife um, to Henry and um, and Danny, and like you know, kind of having different dreams for each other and how that can affect your relationship. And so he yeah. he still feels a lot of guilt about Holly leaving, like he wasn't you know maybe supporting her dreams or doing enough for her. And so we get a little bit more. Uh, insight into that side of the relationship as right. well um and then also throughout the episode we we learn more about rita's book and cora is just enthralled with this book and can we just give a complete a total shout out to crystal and jeff for dressing up in those costumes and <laughs> totally overdoing it in the best way those scenes where they're reenacting the book i just yes <laughs> i loved those scenes they were fabulous yes we get to see the book come to life a little bit um <laughs> it's very very interesting and and cora loves a book she thinks it's gonna be a bestseller and she is just plowing through it She's not doing any work, so I don't know. She's not doing anything else on the clock besides reading. Not, is, even, I guess, what... <laughs> not even supervising the whole building. She's just in the DLO. <laughs> She's just reading about Renita Hayweather, Frontier Duchess. It's a very exciting story. 
Um, and as, you know, Cora keeps talking to them about the book throughout, and Rita starts to get really, really nervous that Norman is going to find out that she was writing about him because Rita did not realize that she was writing about Norman the whole time. And so I she, love when Shane says, yes, it sounds very familiar. <laughs> and Rita gives her that <laughs> look. You know, the, well, at, the at, at one point, sorry, at one point too, um, Cora even tells Norman straight out, it's about you. You lucky devil. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Poor clueless Norman. And yeah, and Norman said, well, that's crazy. And so I guess my question is, so, do you think he had absolutely no clue the book was about him? He's that clueless. It wouldn't, it does not surprise me at all. Because he looks completely baffled. And yeah, it, and he hasn't read it at this point. So yeah, he hasn't, he hasn't read, read it. it. He's only read that tiny little she made he's only read. read that tiny little thing that Cora had him read. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, I would not be the least bit surprised that he had no idea that it was about him at all. Part of me wondered if he like hoped that it was true, but he just didn't have enough confidence that Rita really felt that way about him. That's what I was kind of wondering as I watched, but I'm not sure. Cause yeah. I guess that's a, I guess that's possible, but just, you know, knowing how clueless that man is <laughs> yeah. <you know. laughs> so yeah um let's see what else about that book I, don't, I think that might be about as much as we get with the book story itself um and then we have more of course to shane and oliver's story um Shane finds a new song for are we, uh, I was about to say are we going to the dancing <sighs> we're thing? there we're there Bring on there. the tissues again. Um, Shane finds them a new song with the same steps, just different music, and it is Billy Joel's And So It Goes. Cammie, tell us how you feel about this scene. Ooh. Can you even put it in words? <laughs> Trying. You know, I'm a budding writer. I should be able to. It was wistful. It was very, very wistful, and Oliver did not want it to be wistful. Mm -hmm. You know, it it was. You you see you see right. It's just it's very ethereal. I I think you know almost like they're dreaming. Yeah. They're there. They're dancing, but d this mood is created around them, and they're all alone in the DLO. So it's. Just and it's kind of dark. So, yeah, so <laughs> I think sets. that it just, I think that it just kind of takes them away into their own little world for a little bit. And it's the first time that you see a possibility of chemistry. I mean, you probably can tell from the beginning that those two will eventually end up together, but this is the first step. This is where the first step of the chemistry is taken. And, you know, because he dips her, he lifts her up, and there's that oomph moment, you know, yeah. where Shane, I mean, the shock on Shane's face, oh my goodness, what? Yeah. yeah, like she's she just so in that moment of like, whoa. She <laughs> has no idea what she just felt, and it's 
scares the heck out of her, but she wants to keep going because she's the adventurous type. And then Oliver mm-hmm. walks out and she's, you know, left standing there. Poor thing. I know. <laughs> I mean, I can, I can understand Oliver's reluctance. He is a married man. On the other hand, that should have been rectified a very long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> yes. What I love about this, this whole scene is that it shows you how much you can do with good directing and good acting because there are no words from the characters. There, it is literally just music and them dancing, but you literally go through this entire journey with them. Uh, and it was uh-huh. so uh-huh. moving that, okay, so I, we learned last time that I'm not a romantic. I'm also not a crier. I'm also not a crier. It takes a lot for me to cry for a movie. Um, and I don't think I've ever, hardly ever cried for a book. But anyway. But I this, have. <laughs> <laughs> but for me, it's, it's very hard to get those tears coming. But after I saw this scene, every time I heard that song after, I would cry. I know. And not you just cry. Ugly cry. Anything. I know. Ugly you cry. Anything else? Because <laughs> you just the emotions that like your subconscious is like connecting those emotions to that song, and yeah. you just feel it, and it's it's so amazing that no words, but all of that emotion can come with it, and mm-hmm. it's just like whoa. So yeah, I can finally listen to the song and not cry. It took a while. <laughs> oh, I'm glad to hear that. You know, <laughs> I know it's gonna ruin my reputation as not being a crier. <laughs> <laughs> and I love there's a, there's a part like in the middle where they, they kind of smile at each other a little bit and I, just, I really love that part too like right in yeah. the middle um yes yeah, so we have our, our almost kiss at least I thought it was an almost kiss they were getting there I thought it was you know in true Oliver fashion it was step one of an almost kiss <laughs> <laughs> Because Oliver has to go through a process. You know? It's a it's a pre almost kiss. It's a pre. It's a <laughs> it's a pre almost kiss. We'll go for that. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But yes, there there's a lot of emotion there, and then Oliver just kind of cuts it off and abruptly leaves. And and like you said, Shane is just standing there, like, what just happened? Like <laughs> she's just like trying to process it. Um, and the next day, they're both super awkward. It was run into each other and do the little like oh okay trying to get to re- get around you <laughs> and they're like super awkward <laughs> and, doing the little dance pun intended <laughs> and I love how Norman being uh somewhat uh intuitive but also very clueless says something's different <laughs> and um <laughs> he and has Shane, no idea what it is he just knows that something's different <laughs> Something's just off, and then they, uh, I think Shane blames it on the fact that Cora's not there, because Cora has decided that she is retiring to write her memoirs, probably inspired by Rita's book, to, oh, to go dear. into the world of writing. So we lose yet another supervisor. They, they come and go as quickly as the dead ladders, it seems. Yeah. <laughs> well, the two episodes. We've had, we've had two episodes. That's the max. <laughs> two episodes. Yes, <laughs> um, but yes, um, so uh, they, yeah, we later in Cora's leaving, and then um, when they're at, I think the mailbox grill, talking to Henry, um, Oliver kind of announces that we shouldn't do our dance uh, at the showcase, that there's no reason to continue because he accomplished what he set out to do, and he reveals that he had promised, or Holly had given him, like, 
lesson, like a coupon, coupon for, for lessons, yeah, um, for dancing lessons, and he had promised that he would do it, and he he was reluctant. He was and reluctant. It was, it was his reluctance. He thinks this. I again the assuming. Again the assuming. Yeah, he thinks that his reluctance played a part in her leaving. You know, and even if it had, she's a doofus anyway. So. <laughs> We get to go all into Holly and from Paris with love, and we get to really yeah. touch on. We'll save it for our that. true but... feelings of because <coughs> um, we've been, uh-huh. been so kind so far. <laughs> yes, oh Holly. <laughs> but yeah, so and Shane, Shane clearly was not expecting that at all. You know, obviously they had the awkwardness from because of the dance, the intensity of the dance. But I, I, I don't think she saw it coming at all. Um, no. She, very taken aback and yeah very upset um even though she doesn't really express her upsetness in in this episode at least um but they have this little exchange where he tells her you were a wonderful partner and she's like we were good together weren't we and he says we were and it's just like your heart is breaking for them because you know that oliver is doing it because he sees what's happening and being the the true gentleman that he is thinks I need to distance myself from this before I cross a line. Um, well, and you see the calendar. Yes. You see the calendar at the end that it was his anniversary. So yes. having to deal with all of these feelings on top of missing his wife and wondering what's going on with her. Yeah, and the on guilt. Of, <laughs> and then on top of all of that, it's his anniversary, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's just, you know, I don't like the fact that Oliver did what he did, but I can get why he did it. You mean he's, cutting off the showcase? Yeah, cutting yeah. it off. He's dealing with a lot. He He's dealing with a lot. Now, did he make the wrong move? Absolutely. He got her into that. Mm-hmm. He should have seen it through. Right. Because it, it was like, what, one more dance at that point? You know, yeah, was that really yeah, going to... the next it was the next night or that night, you know, I mean, come on, just do the dance. It's a showcase. It's not a date. Right. You know, just finish it and be done. But, mm-hmm. but, you know, but that's Oliver me. Is Oliver. I'm a performer. I'm Andrew. a performer. <laughs> <laughs> I think Oliver was probably just very scared by his own emotions in a way too. Oh yes. That's, that's doesn't definitely. know what to do with it. Cause he wasn't expecting to, to start, you know, falling for Shane and clearly he Nuh-uh. is. Yeah, absolutely. So. So yeah, we end with him and the DLO looking at the the calendar that has an anniversary, and they and I think they cut to Shane at one point and show her. They both just have this like totally forlorn look on their face, and it's just very, yeah, very sad. And you know, this doesn't fit the, this doesn't fit exactly, but it just goes to show again the amazing ability of Martha. This is one of the only episodes without a happy ending. Danny died. You know, it's a very bittersweet ending because he gets to meet his daughter-in-law and his granddaughter and she says, come live with us. So they're going to be reunited. It's wonderful, but Danny's dead. And, you know, after the pilot movie where we thought, (laughs) <laughs> where where we thought that 
Kelly was dead and she wasn't, you know, I thought maybe there was going to be some kind of mistake. I, and, yeah, I did too. And there wasn't. He's dead. And so once again, you have that perfect aligning of moods. Even if you don't realize that's what it is, subconsciously you can feel it. Mm-hmm. And you, you feel Oliver is sad. The storyline is sad. You know, it's, it's another amazing combo right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I love it. Not that I love that he's dead, but I love that it's, it's a realistic storyline because sometimes True. you don't get that reconciliation, um, unfortunately with someone before they may pass. And so I like that it, they kept like Martha kept it real and authentic, but also showed that there, there could be healing from it. Even if you've kind of reached that point. Um, cause you know, in normal homework now we don't, we, we always get the happy ending. Nothing like that is going to happen. And so it was, it was nice to see that presented in a way where you could see some closure, but in a way that, you know, maybe wasn't the you know, ideal situation, but it was more realistic of a situation. That's a, that's a really good point. You're right. And, uh, if I could, if I could just say something very, very quickly about the, um, about the actress who plays, um, the actress who plays, uh, Sarah, she, I, I loved her, her meshing. I loved her meshing of emotions that she was obviously not a wreck anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, she was, she had moved on. She was able to Kate Corbett. That's her name. Yes. Uh, Kate, Kate Corbett. And she just, she had moved on a little bit. She was okay. She wasn't breaking out into tears every moment. Uh, uh, but she still had that sadness in her mm-hmm. voice. She had her bright smile when she was talking to Henry and she looked so happy to finally get to talk to him and to see him face to face, but you could see the sadness hiding behind her eyes. And that's, that's not easy to do. And to, to have the smile yet the sadness right Mm -hmm. behind you. And she did, and she did that really, really well. Yeah. She said she had a very short part there, but she definitely nailed it. And I love too how she still like exuded that compassion because yes, you know, especially with the storyline, I mean, it could have easily written that she was still angry, um, but she had a lot of mercy in the situation, even though, you know, his dad caused um, Danny a lot of pain yeah. of not supporting his dreams. And so again, that's, it's that's the, the really complexity, the complexity of science of deliver. There's a lot, there's Martha. a lot going on there. <laughs> Martha and you people act, Acting it out. What are we going to do with you? You're awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you have any final, final thoughts before we move to our trivia? No, that was my final thought that, okay. you know, that it wasn't the happy ending episode. That, that was kind of my final thought that we mm-hmm. get a sad ending and that's, it's rare, but they still made it bittersweet. Yeah, it's definitely. All right. Lay it on me. You ready? Lay it on me. It's got some hard ones in here. 
Mm. All right, the first one's the, the, the hardest, but I will accept a, I will accept a range in the answer. How long is Rita's book? How many pages? 800 plus. Close. I will count that right. It was 780. So okay. I think that was close enough. Close enough. Thank you very much. <laughs> it was a riveting 800 pages. Riveting. Oh, very, very riveting. All right. Next question. So we saw at the end. That Are you, wait, it seriously isn't 800 pages? Mm -mm. I wrote them. Ah. 780. Ah. Maybe at one point okay. they rounded it and said it's like 800 pages, but I think okay. it was Cora. I could have sworn I heard that. <laughs> I think it was Cora who said it was 780. All right, all right, all right. Rounding it up though, it's 800. <laughs> there you go. All right, next question. So we saw yes. at the end that it was Holly and Oliver's anniversary. Yes. What was the day of the week? Friday. Bonus. What was the actual day? What? The You did, but now you have a bonus. If you can guess the actual day. Six. Oh, you're so close. It was Friday the 24th. Ah, but I got Friday right. <laughs> you did. And I have a funny story about that, actually. Um, so if you're listening and you're a postable, you're a diehard postable, and you're on Twitter, you probably know that a lot of the postables gather together every Friday for a rewatch. And it was pretty recently when I had started rewatching with them. And it was a Friday. We happened to be watching this one, and we saw that the cut to the to the little calendar. And I just happened to look at my my little uh, desktop um, date thing, and it was Friday the twenty fourth on oh, the same day awesome. we were watching it. I was like, oh my gosh! So it was yeah, it was a little interesting uh, divine delivery. Do, 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 do. <laughs> You're watching it on Friday the twenty fourth. So burn that into your brain. Friday the twenty fourth. All right, and the last one is a little different, but Kate Corbett, who plays Sarah, is in what other Hallmark series? Uh, and bonus if you know who she plays. Good Witch. Yes. Do you know who she plays in Good Witch? No. <laughs> she plays uh, Eve, Sam's receptionist, at the clinic. That's it. Yes. 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 So yes. Yeah, so she is in other Hallmark, and we, and of course, Cammy already got me the other one about Finley, uh, Kristen's daughter, being baby Danielle, in here. I know Cammy was just on top of it. <laughs> well, <laughs> I know. Anyway, Cammy, where can people find you? You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Cami Drama Girl, Cami spelled K-A-M-I, on Facebook, on the Hooked Hardy Facebook page, and my blog is hookedhardy.com. All right, and you can find me. I actually just updated my Twitter handle today to match my Instagram handle, so it is different from the previous uh, episodes that we've recorded. I am now at Jess BSW Blog on both Twitter and Instagram, or you can check out my website, beneathstillwaters.com, and you can find the podcast at Hallmarkies Pod on Twitter, and Hallmarkies podcast on Instagram. All right. Thanks all for listening and or watching and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.